1: Time. It's, time. it's time. T- time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else.
0: Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the star. star. Welcome Star. to the Love of the Star, Star. Podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for One Hundred Five Through the Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Brodus. He is now the co-host of the G Bag Nation, two to seven p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on One Hundred Five Through the Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. Uh, he is a proud LSU Tiger alum. Uh, the the co-host of the Draft Show. His his credentials are endless, uh, and because of that, we are. going going to do an entire mailbag episode today we always do our dean julia love the star mailbag and last time we got so many questions we told you all hey this is what we're going to do for the entire episode so uh brian happy weekend here i don't know when this is dropping but we're recording it over the weekend but happy weekend and uh anything you'd like to say before we launch into this uh mailbag episode here
1: no i mean uh it's funny how close we are to getting this thing going again, you know, with the the football season and training camp just right around the corner. Super excited about that and, uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, the love of the star, carrying it on. Can't thank everybody out there enough for uh, the support really all year. And then, you know, the support with the questions and stuff. We're able to do shows like this, you know, because you guys and gals have shown interest in this show so uh can't thank you guys enough for 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 uh being with us and uh like i said i hope we uh hope we get to everybody's question that uh sent one in i know it's going to be a little bit difficult in 45 minutes but we'll do the best we can how about that
0: yeah we'll we'll run through these i'm sure we'll be able to fit in a number of these and let's jump right into it brian first question here from at I Got Soul, one of our uh longtime loyal listeners slash viewers, uh, they say they, they want to know who has the potential, and I guess we can uh, extrapolate this out from uh, to the entire draft class. It doesn't just have to be cowboys, so we'll have a cowboys answer and a a entire draft class answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wants to know who has the potential to be the biggest steal from this year's and last year's draft class. So I assume you know, the, the previous offseason here, but, uh, who stands out to you as, as just for this past draft class, a big potential steal in the NFL. And then who ha- stands out specifically for the Cowboys draft class? Who you think has a chance to be a steal?
1: Well, you know, me, I, I love me some Bijan Robinson. I'm all about yeah. the running back. <laughs> I'm all about that running back. Everybody in the world hates running backs, but me and, you know, it's funny what the Atlanta Falcons have done, though, the last two years in taking positions that whether it be Pitts at tight end or taking Bijan Robinson at running back, it's kind of like goes against the metrics and all the things that that people like to talk about. I personally feel like he is going to have a hell of a year. I feel like he's going to have a hell of a career. I think the Falcons do a really good job of running the football. I think he's going to shine. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, "Wow, look what he could do as, as a weapon! Uh, look at him run the ball. Look at him catch the ball. Look at him finish runs." Uh, to me, he's the type of guy that I feel like that I know he was taken, you know, high, but people were there was so much talk about whether he would go at ten to Atlanta. Or 20 whatever, 26, 27 to Dallas, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's where it was kind of, you know, it, it was in between anywhere And and the fact that he went to Atlanta like he did early, I think it was the right thing. But I think it's going to be a steal for the Falcons. Now, I'll I'll keep it on a cowboy level. I wonder if Deuce Vaughn is going to be a steal for the Dallas Cowboys. Because I think there's uh, there's questions about the running back position, and we've brought this up on our show quite a bit. Two positions: running back, linebacker. Where's the depth? Do you trust the backups? Are the backups going to be enough? Are you going to have to trade surplus? You know, could Deuce Vaughn be the guy that all of a sudden shows up in those three preseason games? And all of a sudden is one of those guys that like people are going, Wow, okay, I see, I see this guy from Kansas State. He might be five five. I see the quickness. I see the ability to slash. I see the ability to get through the hole. I see the ability to catch the football. That's where I'm I'm looking at him thinking, maybe if we get through training camp, this might be the guy that might be that steal from a cowboy perspective.
0: Yeah, I think that for for me with the Cowboys, uh, I'm obviously a big fan of Luke Schoonmaker. I think picking Schoonmaker at the back end of the second is is going to be viewed as a positive thing and is going to be something that will be looked on favorably. If you want to talk about the entire NFL, there's a, a couple of names that stand out to me. I still don't know how Joey Porter Jr. went at the top of the second round. I don't know how he lasted till the second round. I know there was a lot of talk about scheme fit. And and some of those issues. But man, the fact that he I, I just feel like that's incredible value that you're able to get somebody like Joey Porter Jr. in the second round. Uh if Keeley Ringo ever puts it together, the traits, him going in the fourth round is a pretty big steal. Unfortunately, that was to uh the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh but then also top of the se- uh top of the fifth round, Darius Rush, the corner to the Colts, he was a better player, I thought, than a fifth rounder. And so yeah. Couple, a couple different names there that you could look at. Uh, I know you were big uh, or, or you were optimistic about Aiden O'Connell, him going at the back end of the fourth. If you, if he does a good job for the Raiders, maybe that's somebody uh, that we're talking about here in a couple of years. years. Uh, Brandon Laurie asks the question, are there any veteran linebackers you could see the Cowboys bring in during training camp? Anthony Barr and and I know you've got insight into this guy. Anthony Barr and former Falcon Dion Jones come to mind for a one year deal. Uh, I'll let you uh, give us your insight on Jones here in just a sec. Just on Barr, I think we saw last year Anthony Barr is has kind of had it. A little bit. Uh, I, I don't think that yeah. was nearly good enough for you last year, uh, and and so I think that that ship has sailed a little bit. I know it's easy to make the connections with Dion Jones because he's had some success in this league. He had success with Dan Quinn specifically, um, but I, I know that you've asked around a little bit about Dion Jones, and that's not necessarily the best fit.
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's some talk about because. We like to always kind of connect the dots there, and it's and
0: not a good idea. It's always good it's to find those connections. Always,
1: always trying a good idea there, but you know, talking to my guys and gals around the league that watched this tape, you know, they were they weren't as high on on Deion Jones. They just weren't, and and we all kind of thought, oh, well, this is a Dan Quinn guy, and he, no, it just it, it, what I was told from a couple of different people is like, no, that 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 ship's kind of sailed. And uh, they've the uh, you know they've all they've they've moved on there uh, from uh, from each other. So it, I, I felt like that if it was something that was um, legitimate, they would have they would have gone and protected themselves. They like these linebackers. I, I know they like these linebackers. I'm interested to see really where this how the depth plays here. But as far as the 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 Deion Jones one, you shouldn't connect the connect the dots on that
0: one. Next question here from Brett Logan. Uh, will DeMarvian Overshone be used in more of a hybrid role similar to Curse? Or do you think the coaching staff will use him in a different capacity? Love of the Star is my favorite podcast. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate that. Um, you know, it's it's funny when we got a chance to talk to Mitch LaPointe, uh, one of the higher ups in the Cowboys scouting department he had expressed a lot of real excitement about Overshown, Um, and and had basically said, look, that's somebody we probably would have been happy with taking where we took Schoonmaker. If we would have taken him at the back end of the second, we would have felt good. We think he's a really good football player. Uh, Overshown, I think, is going to be very much the uh, Swiss Army knife for them. Uh, I, I don't know that the curse role is one that I would describe him as. In fact, if anything, if he's going to you know, be kind of in the box and then playing a hybrid role. It might be playing a hybrid role, rushing more than dropping back into coverage. Um, but just in general, some of your thoughts on Overshone and how the Cowboys might use him right out of the gate. I think they're going to use him as a true linebacker. I don't think he's going to be the hybrid player. I really don't. I think it's,
1: even though he has a safety background, they have got to figure out behind uh Van Esch and Clark and others who could play. These uh, these positions, you know, and, you know, it, it, I I think with his size, with his length, uh, I think it's going to be more about. Now, a lot of this has to do with Bobby that how much when they throw these guys into the deep end of the pool, how well do they swim? You know, if he's out there playing and he looks like he's showing up at linebacker and he's he's making those types of plays, he's making the reads, he doesn't look lost, he doesn't look confused. Then the coaches will load the wagon more for him. And then, okay, maybe then it becomes a hybrid role. But I think initially they have got to find linebackers first. And I think that's where he's going to play.
0: Yeah, and I do think that he's somebody that uh, one of the big checks in his favor is the flexibility. So he was somebody who at Texas was asked to – you know, do some nickel stuff at times. He did safety. He did linebacker. He blitzed. Um, he's somebody with the body type that if they wanted to bulk him up a little bit and use him as somewhat of an edge rusher, they probably could. And I do think they're going to take advantage of his blitzing capability. And I think that they believe that that's a, a plus in his favor. But yeah, look, they've got enough issues right now being a little thin yeah. at linebacker that right. it's tough to see them using too much flexibility. The only reason they do it with Micah Parsons is because he is such a plus pass rusher. Um, but overshown absolutely somebody that they can use in a number of different ways, but they probably use him. Like you said, as a standard linebacker to start Work in some rushing um, maybe ask him to do a little bit more in coverage, but uh, that, that's probably a little bit down the road, but I, I absolutely love the idea of Dan Quinn getting to be able to work with it because we've seen how much Dan Quinn and his staff have been able to get out of some of these flexible players. Uh, next question here. Uh, from let's go with, uh, East side, Sammy, uh, what would you see in the, in the first six weeks to feel like the switch in offensive coordinator worked or caused improvement besides just winning? What would you see in the first six weeks that caused you to say, Hey, this is, this was the right call. We're seeing the evidence of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the third down conversions, uh, that always is something, you know, when you get in these. Situations where it's the third downs and stuff like that. Are you a team that's somewhere in that forty percent? Are you a team that's in that twenty percent? You know, if they're going, if they're going at a pretty good clip and there's nice rhythm with the play calling, you could see that every time it's a a third and seven or a third and two or a third and four, they're clipping off first downs. The play calling looks crisp. Uh, they're, they're 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 you know they're manufacturing offense. Uh, you know, they're going out and they're taking things from what the defense is going to give them. And, and I, I you know, scoring, red zone efficiency, all those things will kind of tell you in the first six weeks. I think, Bobby, to be honest with you, they have to come out of the gate firing on all cylinders. I, I think Dan and those guys will do a great job on defense, but you can't have this offense – Sputtering around, then all of a sudden McCarthy in week six. I I know I like to say this this is my June crazy prediction. But if you show up in week seven and all of a sudden it's the team is three and three and they're really not doing anything that I just described. And then all of a sudden Mike McCarthy hands over the play calling to to Brian Schottenheimer, I, I would say that right there is a is a failure. That that would be a failure because there's been a lot of things put on Mike McCarthy as a play caller. A lot of people have a lot of trust and all. I mean, he he got rid of Kellen Moore so he could take over the play calling ability. And if he goes out there and they flop around and fail, they're bad on third down, they're bad on red zones, uh, they're bad in goal to goal, all these things kind of start to show up and they're not moving the ball. They're not, they're not looking good on offense. Teams are shutting them down, a lot of three and outs then there's going to be some problems on this uh, on this team.
0: Well, and I mean, you've talked a lot about the idea of the screen game and, and how the screen game is something that they really need yeah. to keep going. Could that be a sign to you that, hey, this is a change that worked as if we start seeing them develop a screen game that had been non-existent in large part over the last few years?
1: Well, Brian Schottenheimer told us 70% of the offense is going to remain the same. What's that 30%? Is the 30% like you're talking about, Bob? Is that the deceptives? is that running game stuff you know i have a feeling that that that's really where the 30% is going to come from you know how do we get screen game going how do we get uh the the jet sweep stuff going how do we get the uh the the you know the inside uh running game with the wings or you know motion or however you want to do that you know that's where i think the 30% of this offense that they're trying to work on the 70% fine if it stays the same but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if they can, like everything you just mentioned, if they can get that going. That's the 30%, I believe.
0: You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half price bone and wings, Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they have great deals for you the rest of the time too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. And it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, continuing here as we do our full episode of the Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, We've got a question here from uh, DJ Major, and he's asking the question, which undrafted free agent do you think is most likely to make the team out of training camp?
1: Man, you got one in mind?
0: Isaiah Land from Florida A&M yeah, was, is one I was, that I think makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I was trying to kind of find somebody that to me that they really, really, really like, you know, and, and it it's probably it maybe does does Tyrus Wheat do anything for you? You know, or, or there are there too many edge? There are there too many edge players?
0: Honestly, you know what? I, so Isaiah Land is the one we heard a lot of ch- chatter about. Yeah, a been lot. high on. I know you've been high on Hunter Lipke, uh, from yeah. North Dakota. Uh, the the other one that I I think deserves some mention, and we'll get a chance to see how competitive he is. I don't know how easy, the numbers stack up for him, but somebody who could be a Dennis Houston type player coming out of camp could be Jalen Moreno Cropper. Uh, that's somebody who I think is a a good route runner and somebody who uh, looked solid throughout the off season practices. And, and that's somebody who who could make a mark if other receivers don't step up. Um, but, you know, I, I do like the suggestion that you've made a couple times here about Hunter Lipke and the fact that I it, think,
1: like you said, yeah, I, I just assume Lipke is going to make the team. I, I don't think, like I said. I mean, if you if there was a surprise guy, I don't think he's a surprise guy because to me, there's questions at running back. He's been getting a lot of work in the OTAs and mini camps as like a one back runner with the with the first offense. So I just immediately assumed, like, nah, this guy. I, it, it's not to me. It's not a surprise, you know. Like you mentioned, you know, Land. Wheat, those kind of guys, those are you know the the receivers. Those would be surprises to me. I think Hunter Limkey makes his football team, I just because of how they're kind of using him already now. Maybe he goes out there and pees down his leg, you know, and and doesn't do worth a damn in these practices or or you know the, the you know the games, the preseason games. But the way that they're using him right now, boy, it's kind of like they're planning on him making this football team.
0: Next question here from Matt. Your honest opinion on the offensive line, and we've obviously talked a lot about this. Let's see uh, where you stand on this question currently, Brian. Brian. Uh, do you think Tyron goes back to left tackle and Tyler Smith left guard? Do you think steel will be ready for week one? What is your current overall evaluation of the Cowboys offensive line and how the personnel is going to play out? Well, we'll see. If you what ask happens. me, if you ask me this tomorrow, yeah, yeah, my, my yeah. answer will probably be different. It's, it, it's different every day. It feels like,
1: well, do you feel like that Tyron Smith is going to be the starter at left tackle? <sighs> But are you saying he's gonna are you gonna saying that something is going to keep him from being the starter at left tackle?
0: If something keeps him from being the starter at left tackle, it's that Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele might just be better right now. Uh but I I man, like I said, it's I I've evolved so much over this because I I can't get out of my head the fact that uh, you know, your new offensive line coach keeps referring to Tyler Smith as that's a tackle. That's a tackle. We've worked him in tackle. Oh, I know. I know. I, I know. I understand they put him at some guard. I can't get out of my head the way Tyron Smith looked at right tackle compared to Terrence Steele. Um, you know, there, there's just, there's so many things that make this so difficult to project. Uh, if, if I had to, if I had to make a call today and again, uh, my, uh, Words on this will probably change from day-to-day, week-to-week, especially until we get out to camp here in a couple weeks and actually get a chance to see it, uh, which we will be out at uh, Oxnard recording episodes for you guys while we're in, uh, at training camp. Um, but if I were I were to weigh in on this today, I'll say probably Tyron at left tackle, Terrence Steele at right tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard. Uh, but I don't feel great about it. And, and in terms of Steele being ready for week one, You know, they they've been a little cagey with the details of of his availability coming into a contract year and and with as aggressively as he seems to have attacked his rehab, I can't imagine him missing time I think he's going to work his ass off and do everything he can to be ready for week one and so that's my expectation for right now um but I I, you know the Cowboys obviously haven't weighed in on that uh as directly which is the MO of Mike McCarthy to do is to not necessarily tell you exactly where things stand
1: Tyron Smith at left tackle Tyler Smith at left guard and Terrence Steele the right tackle opening day against the Giants my prediction right there
0: Okay, and let's say let's say Terrence Steele is not healthy. Does that put Tyler or Tyron at right tackle, or do you think they just roll with somebody like Ball or somebody at that point at right tackle? I to I, by? I,
1: I think that then now you have to consider, uh, you know, what would they would well, let's go be an opportunity here. I think uh, Let's uh,
0: a better football player right now than Josh Ball personally.
1: There's no question about that. There's no question about that. I think that. If they had to go with a right tackle with Terrence still not being ready, man, but if you be honest, your best five would be to put Tyron Smith back there at right tackle, put Tyler Smith at left tackle, and put Matt Farniak at guard. That would be your best five. If but I I I think they I think they want to get Tyron Smith back at left tackle as fast as they can. You know, I think it was very admirable of him to step up and say, "Hey, Tyler's playing very well over there," but they saw what happened to Tyron Smith at right tackle. I don't know if they want to go that route again. But I, I, I think in in I think by the next time we have another show, I'll dig in and figure out exactly because I know, I know that that from what I was heard that that Terrence Steele, uh was going to be worked into the practices so okay. that that part i did knew did know and i'll follow back up with uh with the medical staff or somebody that can tell me what they what the game plan will be with him but i think opening day he'll be your starter at right tackle
0: Next question here from T. He asks, uh, or she, I suppose, it doesn't really specify. Uh, what position, if we had an injury or two, obviously excluding quarterback, uh, but what position, if we had an injury or two, could bring this team down from playoff hope? So so what's an injury or, or what's a position that you feel like, man, you just cannot sustain any injuries there? Uh, I'll tell you what, right now, I don't think this team would be able to weather a C.D. Lamb injury for yeah. much, much time at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you start to say, you know, then now all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, Brandon Cooks and then Gallup and then, you know, and what do you have in Tolbert? You know, that's your hope right there. So, um, you know, what about another injury to, uh, <laughs> what about an inj- another injury to to Pollard? Yeah. You know, you don't really know. What about an injury? I mentioned it earlier too. What about an injury to Leighton Vanderesch? What do you have at what do you have at linebacker? You know, there's I, I think that like to me, if you actually had an injury in the secondary, I think you could survive it. I think you could survive a I, I, I think you could bland have... bland move, Lewis move. You know, I mean, I think you could get, you know, safety, something happened at safety. I kind of feel like that they could they could work around it
0: but I th- should, I think this team would if you ask them internal like if you ask players and coaches hey who, who give me the list of guys you can least afford to lose and you start going down the list I think you don't get very far down the list before there are people in that locker room who say man I don't know what we'd do without J-Ron curse not even necessarily what he brings on the field in terms of his level of play but he he is an emotional leader. He is a, a a high IQ football player who I think keeps a lot of guys you know, up to speed about what they need to be doing and where they where they need to be. I think you'd see a lot of busts in the secondary if J. Ron Curse missed. And I think you'd see a lot of guys out of position. Um, so that's one. If you were going to say one player, Brian, though, let's take the quarterback out of the equation, just the one player. Hey, if they lose this guy, it most dramatically impacts – Their bottom line for the negative is it C D Lamb?
1: It's C D or Micah Parsons.
0: Yeah, Parsons as well. I I just I feel like they could at least while Parsons is great, I feel like the drop off with no Lamb is more significant because I think they they'd be able to generate some pass rush still with you know Sam Williams, Demarcus. Yeah, but it's the threat. Able to cobble something together.
1: It's that threat. You know, it's that. Hey, we have to pay attention to that one guy and then it opens up everything for everybody else. I mean, I would be interested to see I mean, I don't want to see Lamb out, but I wonder if Cooks could elevate to be you know,
0: a one if he were to uh if he were to side, be sidelined for a bit. Uh, next question here from James outside of the first and second rounds, which Cowboys draft pick can you see having the most immediate impact for the coming season? This one would probably be exactly what we've talked about in terms of how they really need overshone right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that, that, that linebacker room is just so thin right now. Uh, if it's, if it's not overshone, it's interesting. I don't know if there's anybody else that that feels immediate right now. Like there's any sense of urgency if they end out, you know, really deciding they want, Deuce Vaughn involved, he could have an yeah. impact if they were to lose, you know, if, if he were to be, have an impact on special teams and in the running game, they could have that. Um, you know, if they sustain any injuries, uh, then they might get some impact from Eric Scott, who they seem to be really high on in the secondary. Um, they like Junior Fajoko, but there's a lot of depth on the defensive line. I yeah. don't know how many opportunities are going to get right away. So the obvious answer it feels like is D Overshone.
1: Yeah, I, I it, him, him and Deuce fawn with the two that I thought about. Other than the other
0: than the first and second round guys. Next question here from JD. Uh, question for Brian. Well, let me go- say
1: something. Well, let me ask something real quick. Yeah, is there any chance that Awesome Richards could be better than in camp, better than well, let's go or Ball or somebody at tackle if they were have to play another uh, at uh, play him at tackle in a in a,
0: in a situation. There's a chance. Um, I, I still think that if you were to ask me, hey, jump right into the action, who's most likely to play well, and I had to rank those three, I think I'd probably go, well, let's go Richards-Ball. I just don't have any confidence in Ball.
1: I don't either, but I just wondered, is there a chance that Richards plays better than, like he shows up better than, well, let's go.
0: I think I think it's possible. I don't know that it's likely. I would still bet on Willetzko. I really like go. I, I, oh, I, 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 I think too. I think go's foot quickness, the ability to move to get up to the second level for a guy his size. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a really exciting potential prospect. And I think that the Cowboys believe that's somebody who given enough time, that's somebody who could start in the NFL. Well, let's go could. And I think they believe the same about awesome Richard. So that's the only reason why I'd probably give, well, let's go an advantage to say, I would imagine he played better is even being banged up and having the shoulder subluxation and everything else that he had. He's been here for a year uh, and, and he's taken part in some practices and, and been involved a little bit. And so uh, that, that would be the one that I would probably say. but look, he didn't see awesome. Richard's played at North Carolina. He didn't play. That's what I'm saying. Football.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not directional name of state school that he played for. Yeah. He's, he, he's not
0: from like he's Southwest the, Oklahoma yeah, University. He, yeah,
1: he lined up and played against Clemson and Miami and Florida State and Notre Dame. And, you know, he lined up against some legitimate competition. He, he might be at the end of the day, we'd start talking about steals, maybe.
0: That sure. guy one day might be the steal that we go back and talk about. Absolutely. And somebody who can play inside outside, which is always a huge benefit. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
1: The big tournament or one of the majors. We have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride-or-die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive
0: at ebaymotors.com eligible items. Only exclusions apply. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the love of the star podcast. It is boomer jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music. Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is our uh, last little uh, block here on the uh, extended Dean Julia Love the Star mailbag. We got so many of these, we could honestly probably do another one sometime before camp. Uh, but the next question here from Tony D, he says, how important is the success of Gilmore and Cooks to the future offseason philosophy of the Cowboys? We've seen them overreact to negative and positive results. For example, maybe they blame Brandon Carr for why they don't sign free agents. So could these two free agents having a significant impact change the Cowboys approach?
1: I don't know if it'll change the Cowboys approach because both players were traded for, you know, this is, this is a new dynamic is when you lose players, you get compensatory picks and instead of using the compensatory picks in the actual draft, you use them to go get veteran players whose contracts are reasonable or that you can find at a team that just wants to unload and they're willing to help you pay the freight. So, I don't think it's these weren't signings. These were these were a philosophy and I I love what they did. If you know that you're going to get compensatory picks or, you know, of course you have your own picks, trading fifth, sixth round players for veteran players on workable contracts, I think is a really, really, really good strategy.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that that's a a bad strategy. I do like the idea, though, if these guys are able to make an impact, if it makes them a little less gun shy. Uh, The the only issue here, obviously, is that uh, they, they got both these guys essentially as steals. They, they didn't yeah. have to give up much for Gilmore. They didn't have exactly. to give up much for Cooks. And so it's hard to say that it, like it, I think it would just encourage them further to bargain been Shot more than anything else. The same way they did with J. Ron Curse. Like, oh, we hit on Curse. We can find people like this. We can, we can do that. And not that that's necessarily the worst way to approach it. If you can find a Gilmore and a Cooks for the value you got, by all means, do it. Um, I just think that we've seen pretty consistently over the course of, you know, 15 years, every Super Bowl winning team usually has one big outside acquisition that they made that they sent spent significant capital on. That's generally well, the case.
1: Well, don't don't expect it to happen next season, Bob. Right? No,
0: I mean no. unless we're talking about a trade for somebody yeah, in a position because, of it,
1: because it's all about Lamb and Parsons and Diggs and you know, it, it ain't about the outsides, it's about the insides now. You're not going to see the Cowboys go big on on any type of free agent I don't believe. What you'll see in them though is they'll continue to trade draft picks. Sound strategy. Very sound strategy I like.
0: Uh next question here from Messenger. Uh assuming Zeke was willing to just accept any role and then accept a reduced role and hey, you know whatever you need from me I'll do it. Uh what specific roles snaps or packages do you think Zeke in his present ability would excel in?
1: Third down. Third down because he blitz pickups. You know, he's aware, he knows how to leak out of the backfield if things start to kind of break down, he can find a way to get open. I I don't think they used him. I mean, it seemed like that every time in the screen game and stuff, it was tight end screens or receiver screens or it wasn't screens of the backs and you know i i think that on third down legitimately you know you could bring him in if you want to hand in the ball try and pop a nickel run you know he's capable if it's a third and seven you hand in the ball he's capable of getting eight yards you know and then and then it's a first down but he's he's good on blitz pickup he can catch the football and he can pop a nickel run That's kind of where I would envision having him on the field is on third down.
0: Next question here uh, from Chris. Am I wrong about that? No, no, no. I I think you're right. I think third down because of the, like you say, the awareness, the ability to, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield, do some different things. I don't think he's nearly, I, I know everybody talks about him. In the sense of like, well, yeah, if he's a short yardage back and yada, 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 it's like, you know what? There have been times in the last few years where I don't feel like he was super effective in short yardage anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, I I mean, the ability to pass protect a little bit, which also I will say, I think. Even that skill set of his diminished a little bit in recent years. I don't think it was as good as it once was, um, but it's still adequate. And he's somebody who has good hands and and like say has the awareness to know when to leak out of the backfield and and yeah. do some different things. So I he's I think an that aware that's,
1: football player. He's a yeah. very aware football player. Yeah, yeah
0: he's a, he is a he is not his issues are all physical limitations. He's a high IQ football player. He 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 really is. Um, for for he just you know, slow
1: down. He just, he just, his, you know, his, the, the, the knee injury he had him getting banged up, the carries, it just slowed him down. You know, he went from being kind of an explosive player first two, three years to the last three, four years of being a guy that just played too banged up. He was unselfish. He played when he was hurt. Probably shouldn't have done that. You know, might've ended his career playing hurt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question here from Skip Nance. He wants to know, can the Cowboys truly count on Tony Pollard to carry a full-time load as the primary running back? He says, don't they still need a pile-driving running back?
1: Well, you know, people will tell you that, you know, when you stand next to Pollard, they'll tell you he's not small, you know, and he's willing to run between the tackles. He could do that. He's good at hitting the hole, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that, The thing that's going to be interesting to me is I think there's going to be, as we get into the season, we're going to hear a lot about Tony Pollard not practicing. Mm -hmm. I I, I have a feeling it's going to be, by the time we get to week four, Tony Pollard will probably be taking days off, probably be on the the injury report as, you know, uh, DNP, you know, did not practice, you know. Yeah. And I I they're gonna have to manage, they're going to have to manage him after these games because the wear and tear is going to be pretty significant on him. And you know he's a 200 pound guy and you know he's, I can say, as being the primary ball carrier, you know, how many times is he going to get towed it in a game? 18, 20, 23 times a game. You know, that's, that's difficult. Those things start to add up. And like I said, I think by week three, week four, we're going to start to see him, you know, they're going to have to rest him to get him ready, healed up and ready to play on the, on the weekends, because I think it's going to be tough for him uh, to, to carry the ball as much as he is and play as much as he is and, and be ready to play every
0: week. Next question here from Steve Rogers he's wanting to do you
1: think the same thing about that or because I don't know who's right now I Malik Davis uh, you know get a new running back coach new OC new you know I want to believe Malik Davis and others could help but until then you have to s- assume that that he's going to get the line share of the work.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that the the question of his DNP and and the the workload management they give him will be interesting, especially for a guy who's franchised and and looking for a big deal. I, I think he absolutely could, you know, that that it might be in everybody's best interest to give him, you know, the Romo Wednesdays or or whatever else. And and look, they've seen some of these running backs take a bit of a beating. I do think they believe that he can be a a full time running back though.
1: I, I yeah, that's they obviously think that, but they they also are going to need some people behind him to make sure that that his workload gets managed enough to where he's not out there, you know, every single snap, which he won't be, but some guys are going to have to show up behind him. And it might, it might be Deuce Vaughn and some others like that.
0: Next question here from Steve Rogers. He wants to know which is the higher probability of happening. Brian Dak has a repeat season of really high turnovers or the offensive line is unable to protect him and he takes a beating. Which negative is more likely to happen here?
1: Uh, You know me, I'm, I don't want anything to do with Dak and turnovers, but I do believe that Dak Prescott and I can't wait to ask him this question at camp. And I, you know, I don't know what kind of answer I'll get, but I I think that Dak really, really trusts his teammates And, and you're saying, well, wait, broadest quarterbacks are supposed to, but to a fault, you know, I mean, when Noah Brown is dropping the ball and it's clanging off him and it's getting intercepted or whatever else is happening or, CD's not running the right route, or Dalton Schultz gets confused downfield, or you know, something happens, you know, all those go on Dak. All that blame goes on Dak right there, you know. And I I just feel like that, you know, I'm Dak, I'm like, man, you trust your teammates so much. And even when they're even when they're not delivering Michael Gallup or Tolbert, you know, C D on some of those routes. Even when they're not delivering, he keeps going at them. He keeps going at them. You know, instead of saying, ah, damn it, I'm just gonna throw this one away, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat it, or I'm gonna run. I'm you know, I mean that's that's the fault of Dak. And I and I I don't mean that as a as a negative, I mean that as like he's trying so hard to make plays, and his teammates let him down a lot of times. You know, and and if you still, if they're not on the same page with Brandon Cooks, if they're not on the same page with, and that's the one thing that Dak has been talking about, being on the same page, being on the same page. I think Dak is getting tired of standing up there taking the blame for turnovers, you know? I think he's putting it out there for these guys that, hey, listen, you better be in the right spot. But you know what? He keeps throwing it and throwing it and throwing it and he trusts these guys are going to do the right thing. And yeah, some of them are his fault, but man, there's quite a few of them that that are, you know, his his teammates have let him down. And that's where the that's where the problems are. It's that Dak trusts those guys so much to keep feeding them the ball when they're letting him down. That's just that's how that's how he operates. So it wouldn't surprise me to see that be the be the avenue not not cheering for nobody's cheering for turnovers but you know these guys have got to step up for him they got to step up and find a way to make some place for him
0: yeah i mean that that's absolutely the case they do need to step up make some plays for him
1: i or know where the hell they're running the routes and and don't carry coverage into other you know where all of a sudden men are getting drug in you know when you're supposed to run a route on the goal line and you're supposed to break in and you stay you stay uh you stay straight and all of a sudden there's confusion and he thinks you're breaking inside and the ball's thrown, you know, inside and you're not there. That's that's on you, C D or Gallup or Schultz or Noah Brown, any of those guys.
0: Yeah, I'd say I think there's a a a almost 0% chance that he turns the ball over at the same rate he did last year. Even if he does continue to have some turnovers, I just, when you look at the fact that he was more than double last season, uh, his interception percentage was more than double what it had been for his entire career. That says that's a bit of an outlier. Like, I mean, I think we saw essentially the same quarterback last year. There was some bad luck, some extra risk-taking, and the risk-taking hit him in the negative in a way, at a rate that's just much higher than is normally sustainable. There's going to be some regression to the mean. So I, I just think there's zero chance... That he's throwing 15 interceptions in 10 games, like like that kind of rate again. Um, and I think that you know they we've heard them talk about how they're they're really evaluating how to limit it and how to do some mm-hmm. different things. So look, I, I think that there's a much better chance if we're trying to figure out which is more likely. I think there's a much the better offensive line that, yeah. that they struggle to protect for him because yeah. I just don't yeah. see any way that the turnovers are that high again.
1: Well, you know it's funny, and I was looking at his numbers the other day, and it, 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 you know, the game when before he got hurt, there was a when he played five games in one season, and I forget what year it was, but I was looking. That was that was
0: twenty twenty. That was the COVID year.
1: Yeah, he had four interceptions in five games. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know but, that. But you remember he? That was when he was throwing the ball sixty times a game. They were trailing. Yeah, by no, that's 20, what I'm saying. And, and yeah. I,
1: I didn't. I was thinking. Oh, well, well, you know, you know how people like, oh, well, project that out over 16, 17 right, games. Right, right. What do you yeah. got? You know, and I'm like, okay, but you know, that's I the the fault, the fault to me of Dak is how much he trusts guys that let him down. That's that's the fault to Dak Prescott. You know, and we'll see. We'll see if these guys, I mean, there's going to be one or two times where they're not on the same page. But there can't be seven or eight times where they're not on the same page, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah that was uh, just going back and looking at it real quick. Uh He had his attempts in that game. He had, or or that year, he had 39 in the opening game. He had 47 in week two, 57 against Seattle, 58 against Cleveland, and then 21 in a shortened start against the Giants. But that's the the thing that's interesting is that even with those four interceptions, given the number of passes he attempted, his interception was still 1.8. And that's still less the, that that's it just was surprising because I'm was like 3.8 last year, 3.8% of his passes were getting picked off, which was just an absurdly high rate. He had he had only been the, the he had a 2.7% interception percentage in 2017, which was higher. Um, but outside of that, the highest year he'd ever had was 1.8. He's always been under 2%. So for it to be 3.8, I think speaks to just how much of an outlier it likely was.
1: Yeah, we hope so. But I like could right. say I think I think a lot of it has to do with those guys playing. They need to do a better job of helping him out
0: last question believe, here. Please and please and, please and please like, way too much, like I said, we still got plenty of these. We need to do a live stream, Brian. That's what we need to do. We need to do a live stream out in Oxnard where we can get some okay. of these questions coming in live. That'd be fun. All right. Uh, last question here from from uh, at the Tabasco and he ah. had a couple different questions, but we've kind of answered the first two. So I'll just stick with the last one here. Uh, and he basically wants to know, are the Cowboys any closer to beating San Francisco than they were the last two years?
1: Wow. You know, that to me, the the team that I worry far more about the 49ers than I do the Eagles. And yeah. I think the Eagles have a really I think the Eagles have a really good team. I think the 49ers are the best team in the in the conference myself. And I and think that's if you questions
0: a quarterback, that tells you how strong yeah, that team is. And I
1: I love their coaching staff. I love their players. Um, are they any, is Dallas any closer? I would say probably not, but you got to play these things. Yeah. you got to play. I mean, think about this though. The last two years you've played them, the defense has done their job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my faith right there. If you could find a way, you know, with, we talked about the turnovers, You know, we talked about the ability to not get behind in a game, three and outs and stuff like that. You know, I want to believe, I want to believe that Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenhammer, the thing that scares me to death about this Cowboy team, and I've said it a bunch, I worry about all the turnover on the coaching staff on the offensive side. If they show us, like we said earlier in this, where they're coming in, they're hitting on all cylinders early in this thing, and now put that to bed, you know, it's really about generating offense it's about finishing drives cuz your defense has done a pretty good job the last two times against them but we have our questions about the offense and that's that's why i can't say with certainty that they're any closer you know they might be closer just because they changed out all those coaches that might be exactly what they needed to get over the hump because defensively they figured out the 49ers. They have. Dan Quinn has kind of figured some things out playing them. You know, and the defense has figured some things out. Yeah. The questions I don't... are the questions are can you run the football against them? Can you play action against them? Can you not turn over the ball? Can you, when you get down in the red zone, not kick field goals? You know? That's that's where this if if you're better than San Francisco, you're going to have to be better your offense has to be better because your defense is good enough to beat them, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily any closer to beating San Francisco in 2023 than they were the past two years, but I also don't think it's any sort of chasm that that makes it impossible for them to beat them this isn't in any given sunday like you're just like well the you know maybe fluky if you yeah maybe one out of these 100 no yeah yeah, you can absolutely beat this team. they're better than you but you can beat them yes you can it's 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 not impossible to beat them i do agree i think the cowboys are closer to consistently being able to beat the Eagles than they are the 49ers, but the Cowboys Cowboys can be competitive in any game against the 49ers and they can win just about any game against them. So in that sense, they're close. It comes down to their offense. Yep. It comes down to their
1: offense. Their defense is good enough to beat San Francisco.
0: Yep. That does it for us today on the love of the star podcast. Like I said, we got a ton more questions that we can probably run through again. And this is fun. We are able to touch on a bunch of different topics here with you, Uh, Brian, any closing thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I just thanks again to everybody. I know we're getting close to the season. We're excited about being out at camp and, and doing these shows. And just, again, uh, the questions you guys provide, they're excellent questions. I'm sorry we don't get to all of them, but, man, we do our best to, to provide. And uh, But, again, thank you guys for everything you do for
0: Bobby and I and uh, and Peyton as well who put this together. For Brian Broadus, I am Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again next time on Love the Star.